open up your books, you bad apples. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club. Me, Lucas Nord. And I'm Cole Lang. And Cole, if you wouldn't mind, before we even got into talking about the third part in our amazing new series, The Catcher in the Rye, I had a bit of an announcement to make. Uh, and this news hot off the presses, baby. All right, all right. Bring it on. We officially have a podcast mascot. What? I was walking through work the other night, man. And as I was rounding the corner, I uh, see this little, well, I mean, he's, he's pretty beefy. This little beefy black cat with uh, like kind of green gold eyes, whatever, just poke his head out around the corner. And I had to you know, do a double take. We're inside this giant, you know, I mean, I work in a big building and there's this cat running around. And, uh, instead of thinking to pick him up or something like that, I ran and told a friend about it. And when they came back, the cat was gone, but reason or truth or something prevailed. And, uh, the cat was caught and now he lives with me. You got a cat. I got a cat. What? What is its name? Well, see, this is kind of fun. Um, I'm actually not going to explain the context behind the name, and I'm just going to say he is a little, like I said, like I may have said, an all-black cat, and I'm just calling him Stranger. Did that do anything <laughs> for you? <clears throat> That's pretty you, fun. You, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> he does not want anything to do with me. But I, yeah. he'll probably come around. I don't know. It took my cat about 13 years and he got <laughs> Alzheimer's and that's when he finally came around. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Harry. <sighs> yep. Uh, he was a real angry one. <laughs> yeah. Very, very angry. Very feisty. Yeah. I don't know if I, uh, sorry, I don't know if I have any personal memories of Harry, but was there one that comes to mind that maybe, maybe a bit more pleasant that uh, you wanted to share with us? Pleasant? Oh, yeah, man. you know, now that we got a little cat talk going here, just <laughs> maybe like, maybe you remember the feeling of him being brought into the house for the first time, or maybe, maybe you remember him scratching the, the first, you know, big hole in the furniture. Oh, in my face, you mean? Oh, no. Um, Ooh, ouch. No, just kidding. Um, well, Man. this wasn't uh, a good story for my brother, but uh, it was pretty funny to me. So when Harry, well, and actually it's kind of, well, offensive for Harry as well. I'm sure he doesn't want to hear this. I'm sure he doesn't Uh-oh. want this to be out on the on the radio waves. But, um, oh, hot <laughs> But... Uh, one time, Harry, every once in a while, he forgot where his litter box was, so he decided to poop in my brother's bucket hat, um, and this was around the time where, you know, Schoolboy Q was repping it heavily, um, so... I was going to say, (laughs) I remember the summer of the bucket hat. Yeah, yep, and, um... Yeah, just kind of, he got, my brother got very angry, rightfully so, because, you know, after that, he wasn't a cool kid anymore, you know. (laughs) (laughs) No more bucket hat. He became a dweeb just like his brother. (laughs) Oh, so sad. 
Yeah. Alrighty, well, uh, for a bit of a recap over last week's episode, um, Holden, after leaving Pensy, ends up in New York. He's riding here, there, and everywhere with cab drivers, asking them about the, you know, birds, um, wintertime habits. Are they coming and loading them up in trucks and driving them somewhere warm? Are they offloading the camera footage, uh, you know, at a local government building? Do they actually just fly south to where it's warm? I mean, you know, so many questions, and there really is no rock-solid answer to it. But I think one of the bigger standouts was right towards the end when Holden had a run-in with Sonny and old Maurice. Um, Did you have any particular thoughts on that exchange? You know, $5 for a throw, Jack. Forgot to mention it last episode, but um, that was Holden's like kicking, kick or punching the gut to the adult world. Uh, Literally. Uh, yep. But yeah, last episode, he just you know he he dabbled with the nightlife a little bit and right. uh, didn't go too hot. Went bar hopping a little. Yep. Yep. Uh, Went out dancing a bit with those ladies, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, they weren't feeling it, but... Yeah, now Holden, he's, um... He's gonna keep on trying to survive here in New York. We'll see how it goes. I am seriously so excited for this discussion because even the little tidbits of information of your thoughts as we come through the book gives me a whole new perspective on everything. Like, as far as I could tell, I enjoyed reading it, but I guess I didn't really get the point, but it seems like you got a stranglehold on it. So uh, without further ado, unless you had anything else to say, I think it's about time for The Catcher in the Rye, Part 3. Indeed it is. And I think I got a hold on this, uh, hold in on this, um, uh, I, what? I don't get it. <laughs> it's that, oh, uh, hold on. Yep, which oh is another God, thing. His name is Holden. Yep, which is another Ooh. thing, but we'll save that. We'll save that for, uh, the discussion. Uh. Now see, that's just good clean humor. Yep, that rated G humor, which is the only yes, humor sorry. accepted on this show. Yep. It's like the, um, I think it's John Stamos does some nice family-friendly comedy that uh, any, any you know, you could bring your baby to it. The baby probably wouldn't understand because it's a baby, but you know, <laughs> you could if you wanted to because he's just talking about bicycles. Is that the only thing clean comics talk about? I really can't think of anything else. That and airplane it's food. It's probably just bicycles. Yeah. Oh, right. What's the deal with it anyway? All yep, right. Yep, yep. Enough of this baloney. Catcher in the Rye Part 3. Cool, if you wouldn't mind whisking us away. Yep, yep, yep. Alright, so Holden, after his run-in with Maurice, you know, he fell asleep. um, And he wakes up in his hotel room that morning, you know, 11, 12, because he went to sleep at like 5 in the morning. He had a very late night because, as we've spoke about before, um... He left Pensy on whichever night it was. I forget what day it is in the book. But every everything that's happened in part one and two up to this point has still been his night after Pensy. He 
you know, gets the cab to New York or whatever. He goes to a couple bars. He calls a few people up, and he's just on a bit of a tear. And capping the night out with old Maurice giving him a punch in the gut after Holden told him he'd be begging for change in the near future was really just the cherry on top of the night. Interesting time to stand up. I know we we talked about it before, but, I mean, it's not that Holden seems like some spineless wimp, but when there is a man inside your room who, I think Holden said they're about the same height, but Maurice has 40 pounds on him or whatever, yep. and you don't know the guy's intentions, and he's trying to stiff you for money, I know it hurts to give him the money, but it probably does beat a punch in the gut. And Holden got a punch in the gut and got extra money taken away from him. Yeah, it was a lose-lose Double whammy. situation. Yep. Very uh, unfortunate. Yeah, he uh, just shows what his character stands for. He doesn't want to enter this adult world that, well, he thinks is pretty shit so far. I mean... He's not wrong based on his experiences. <laughs> he's been turned down for every drink he's been offered. Yeah, I, I, I um, got to sit holding down and be like, now you just wait till the government comes and takes your money, all right? Oh, yes. There you go. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just he's just getting a little taste of it here. And as we've discussed a few times, he is only a 16-year-old kid. Yep, exactly. So... Yeah, he had a pretty rough night, um, and he wakes up, he's feeling pretty hungry, and he's like, you know, I might call the front, I'm, I'm going to call the front desk, but uh, then he thinks, well, old, Marie, old Maurice, he might be still working, and uh, <laughs> he might still be on a shift. Yeah, so he might deliver his uh, breakfast with a little bit. A little bit more, a little bit spice with his hash browns. <laughs> <laughs> Extra hot sauce. Yeah. Uh, um, but so he says, quote, if you think I was dying to see him again, you're crazy. End quote. You know, I don't want to be bold, but uh, I can't. I mean, you know, I didn't expect him to be excited to see Maurice again. You know what I mean? No. I mean. <laughs> Very intimidating, but a bit of a moron. <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, he had him pegged right, I think. Yep. Once, I mean, yeah, just a, just a strange interaction overall. But, I mean, I don't know that it taught Holden humility because that's the second time he's been walloped within a couple hours because, as we'll remember, Stradlater in part one, I mean, Holden was kind of asking for it, but he gave him a nice bloody nose that left Holden all sorts of gory or however he describes it. Yep. He's a mess. Get your brooms. Yep. He decides to call up Sally Hayes, who's an old friend that he used to date. And he's like, hey, let's go make a date. Uh, he, he says, well, let, let's go to the movies. It's something, once again, he says he hates, but he mentions it and sees them multiple times. Uh, um, <laughs> and sorry, not to cut you off here, but just as a bit of a... A uh, bit of a derailment here. After our discussion of Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window on the last episode, I have watched it. I just wanted to throw it out there. Uh, and? That Jimmy Stewart, he sure does, uh, you know, always <laughs> have, like, the shame voice or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm looking out the rear window. Uh... Okay. Now, it was, like I said, not to get too off track here, but it was so cool how uh, the camera was, like, inside that one apartment the whole time. And I love 
how weird that apartment building was and how every neighbor had a different set of windows for some reason. Um, yeah. No, it's, man, it's cool. He had no shame staring at the uh, staring out those windows at his neighbors all day. Yeah. Man. Yeah, he was pretty bored. He was bored. just doing his thing. And it's so funny, too. I'm going to spoil the end of the movie here real quick. It's so funny, too, how back when they were making movies like that, there wasn't a twist. He thinks the guy's a killer. And then the guy is, you know what I mean? Like back in the days when it's like, oh my God, someone living right next door could be a serial murderer. But that's, Um, that's the thing. He throws you through a loop because, you know, Jimmy Stewart isn't a narrable or a reliable narrator in that. So you think he's going crazy with his assumptions, but yep. He does seem like a bit of a rattlesnake, but like I said, I just had to throw that out there and, um, uh, another thing that my grandma brought up when, you know, I told you before the show that uh, she had a few thoughts on the first episode, and one of the other things she said, she loved Jimmy Stewart back in the day. Hey, he's a and, hunk. You know, yeah, he is a bit of a hunk, and, um, well, well, like you said yourself, he was in so many classics, so it is just, it is a lot of fun. She's a big fan. I get it. Yeah, yeah, and a war her- hero, too, so... Very wonderful. All right. Like I said, just had to derail a bit there, but we'll get back to the show here. So, yeah, they they make plans to go to the movies, and, well, she spoils it because she says, I'd love to, grand, and, you know, Holden hates that word. That's a real fly in the ointment. Yep, real spoiler. And he says to himself, for a second, I was tempted to tell her to forget about the matinee. So, just Holden. <laughs> I don't want to be. I don't want to be that guy. But he is certainly in no place to be uh, picky and choosy when it comes to spending time with people. Yeah. Yep. Well, we'll see how the date goes, but you know. Yes, we will. And, and he he tells her, you know, not to be late. And he hangs up, and because she, she's just kind of one of those girls where, yeah, she's gonna be a bit late, like every single time. And Literally <laughs> every single time. We all know. I mean, you know, it could. I mean, it could be uh, either side of the gender pool, man. We all know someone who uh, early's on time and on time is late, and they are always on time. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Five minutes late. Oh, that's that's on time. It's just kind of my thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's my personality. Uh, yeah, really can't help it. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But yeah, like Holden, it's kind of weird because, well, he thinks she's very pretty, but she does kind of annoy him with like her her saying grand and all these things. But he's willing to like just connect with somebody at this point, you know. So he checks out of the hotel, he calls up a cab, and it takes him to, well, he, he wants to go to Grand Central Station. He starts to count his money in the cab, and like, he mentions that his parents would get really frustrated with him because he would lose his change, like, quite often, like, at the restaurant or whatever, he would always, like, lose it in the seat. His father is pretty wealthy and he works as a lawyer and he invests in like Broadway shows and 
Well, they always flop, which makes the mom, like, pretty angry. She's been kind of, like, on the edge ever since Allie's death. Yeah, and Holden, he worries that if she finds out about his expulsion, she'll be even more stressed. So his mom is, like, really trying to recover from this death as much as Holden is, it seems. And we even got a little taste last week when Holden was talking about Phoebe too you know oh back when Allie died she was real emotional about it because she's just a kid and she loved Allie and stuff like that he's kind of I don't know if it's some sort of strange emotional detachment because we know that he's also you know still going through his own stages of grief but perhaps he just isn't quite willing to admit it you know what i mean and who's to say what the rest of his family thinks but yeah as we as we will recall from the last two episodes he had a younger brother named ali that um died from leukemia i believe it was at a very young age very unfortunate red hair boy yep and uh and Holden always brought Allie along with him everywhere except for the one time he didn't and it still haunts Holden to this very day yeah, you, you brought up a good point with uh, he is affected by whole, or by Allie's death, but he doesn't really know how to express it. And that's how, that's his main issue in this book, is like he doesn't know what's wrong or how to communicate his, his feelings, basically. Yes. So he starts to have breakfast at the station, and two nuns come to sit by him. And... You know, we, we kind of know how Holden feels about religion. He's kind of skeptical. He's a proclaimed atheist. Oh, um, yeah. And he starts to judge them on their cheap suitcases. And he says that he can even hate someone for it, which is pretty crazy. Uh, he had a roommate who was, like, middle class, like, lower middle class, and... Well, he wanted it to impress other people at the school, so he would ask to borrow Holden's suitcase, and this really bothered Holden for some reason. Or he would, he would like prop it up whenever um, like some people would visit his room. Yes, if I remember specifically, Holden said that he had a much nicer set of luggage, and um, his roommate would hide his own luggage when Holden's was around or yep. something like that. And he wanted wanted people to think that Holden's luggage was his because uh, I don't know if he hid his stuff when Holden wasn't around and he just set the suitcases out and whenever someone would walk and he'd be like, yeah, you know, was, that, that's my that's my suitcase over there. Oh, okay, well, I didn't ask. <laughs> yeah, you see this whole row of suitcases when you walked in. Uh, yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. I didn't want to say anything. Well, I wasn't going to say anything, but they're all over the floor, so it's kind of hard to walk in here. <laughs> yeah. I really, speaking of suitcases, I need to get some new ones because, like, uh, some of them are duct taped. And, you know, if Holden's... All that traveling you do. Yeah. <laughs> no, um... dude, no, I've only used this big one, like, twice. And it was at the airport. Oh. And, like, I'm sure when they threw my luggage, it just got ripped. I, yeah, I can't imagine they really care about anyone's stuff. And honestly, I don't know if I would either. But (laughs) if I may say real quick, uh, this is another example of Holden bringing up money. It's just, it naturally comes to him since he was born with a bit of a silver spoon in his mouth. He, he sees the 
what we affectionately refer to as Bell Grandpa on the elevator, the 65-year-old with the comb-over. Can't believe a guy like that's making that kind of money at his age. You know, this guy's beneath me, Holden kind of says to himself, and he notes how old Spencer's house looks back in part one. It's all kind of raggedy and crappy, you know. Holden uh, may not realize it, but he is blaming people for things that they really don't have a choice in. You know what I mean? He definitely judges on looks and... Um, no. Yeah, your social status. Uh, yep. And he even hates the people that have a high social status. So he just, just kind of hates everything. Um, yeah, it's like he it's like he kind of outruns himself in every aspect. Like, yeah, well, you know, not every person, not every person who speaks English is phony, but every phony speaks English. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, so... Um, He's like chilling with these nuns, and obviously they're, um, you know, they're modest. They have like their nun clothes on, their capes. I don't know what they're called. Uh, I can see that. <laughs> but, uh, and they have like a basket with them, and he gives them a $10 donation. He says, quote, the both of them kept thanking me so much, it was embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> do you think that he enjoys being thanked to the point of embarrassment? We know that he doesn't usually admit his feelings with things like when he says, I don't care about old Jane Gallagher, but as we keep mentioning, he's probably going to mention her a hundred more times through the rest of the book, but he's kind of, he's kind of like, yeah, you know, I don't have any feelings about anything. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I really do hate being thanked now. Um, you know, did you oh, did you already forget that I gave you that $10, or did you want more money? <laughs> keep it coming, keep it coming, come on. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Appreciate me. Um, yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know, it's just like these weird things that kind of set him off, but he, uh, he finds out that both of them are school teachers and have been reading books that... You know that have lovers in them, but like, Whoa. Uh, you know, it, Holden he finds this kind of weird. You know, he, these are church ladies; they shouldn't be reading about kissing on the lips or holding hands. No, dear God, no, <laughs> and, Jesus, there's no room for it. Well, Lucas, uh, you might want to cover your ears for this next part. Be- no, <laughs> because. He finds out that they've been reading Romeo and Juliet. Whoa. <laughs> now, that's the one about the um, the uh, the two kids. <laughs> uh, I, think I've, I think I've heard about that one before. It's about the two gnomes, if you can recall oh. the classic Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, and then that guy <laughs> that guy came around later and then wrote the Romeo and Juliet story based on the movie. Yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah, Shakespeare was a famous thief anyway, you know. He just <laughs> he lifted the name and switched it around a little he bit. And it, he slapped that R right in front of the G N on oh, no. Yep. Really twisted. Um it makes me think of uh for anyone aware of Troma Studios, known for the Toxic Avenger with the best movie of all time, they also have their own spin on Romeo and Juliet called Tromeo and Juliet, and it's once again 
one of the best movies of all time. Directed by James Gunn, um, director of Guardians of the Galaxy. So that's kind and of Scooby Doo. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, like Holden, he is just flabbergasted because you know there's. You know, the deaths in that, there's the violence, and, well, it's a teenage love affair, right? Death, death, violence, and like we said up top of the worst part, kissing on the lips. Yeah, we don't entertain that on this podcast. No, sir. (laughs) Just uh, don't listen to the Hellraiser series. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I'm pretty sure there wasn't any lip kissing in that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, Holden, he actually really likes Romeo and Juliet, and they ask him, well, what's, what's your opinion? And he says, well, I thought Romeo and Juliet, they're kind of selfish, which, you know, that's your opinion. And he thinks they're pretty annoying, but he loves Mercutio. Because, you know, he, he's uh, Romeo's friend and he's a loyal friend. He's funny. He's kind of, he has like a lot of comic relief in the story. And he's always biting making fun of love. Like, and biting his thumb as well. Um, now, who was the other guy? It was Mercutio and... Tybalt? His other... Tybalt! There we go. Ah, that could be a fun one to cover one day because I have not... Uh, obviously, I haven't touched it since high school. Yeah, <laughs> and that was that was you know twenty five years ago already, <laughs> almost. Um, but yep. yeah, that would be a fun story to cover for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this interaction, like, it makes him question his thoughts on like Catholics and religion because we've mentioned it that you know he's kind of questionable when it comes to that stuff, but like. These nuns were, like, really nice to talk to, and he's, like, almost, like, there's no way they can be nuns. Like, (laughs) they they were way too cool. (laughs) Shed your skin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, And I guess I don't know Holden's specific thoughts here, but since we did mention that they were reading romance novels, I suppose it's kind of the um, the perfect example for, you know, him seeing everything as phony. These two perfect, you know, God-fearing church ladies, they're even looking at the the dirty Romeo and Juliet and the um, books with Fabio on the cover, you know, about the, the lovelorn people and their romances on a nice sandy beach somewhere, perhaps. So, like I said, Holden's probably like, ah, this is exactly what I need to look at right now because... I may be uh, grasping at straws calling people that say the word grand phony, but I got the proof right in front of me. She's holding the book right there, and she's got the cross around her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's really making him question things, which I think is good, you know, question things about his own values. Like another thing he hates is like um, he, he's had multiple run-ins with Catholics and one friend of his would like be talking about church and like Holden, he would just ask about it. And then he would be like, wait, are you Catholic? And, but these nuns didn't do that. Like it, it wasn't like an exclusive club. It seemed to be to him like it was, it was just a casual conversation. 
Um, this is another point in the story where Holden's just kind of got a religious fixation where I forget who it was towards the beginning of the book, but he randomly wakes up. Um, I think it must have been Ackley yeah. in the middle of the night because yep. he was going to go to mass the next day or whatever. And he's like, you know, uh, what does he say? I would just I'd want to join the church with the wrong monks or whatever he says. Yeah, he's just he's a bit interested in religion in general, evidently. Yeah, he definitely knows. Well, probably more than I do, <laughs> to be honest. And then, yeah, absolutely. And then, to top it all off, um, after he was kind of poking fun at Ackley, Ackley's like, you can make fun of me, but not my religion. And, you know, that's fair. Yeah, that is fair. Totally agree. Um, and so as the nuns leave, Holden, he, you know, he's always smoking. He, and... Uh, he accidentally blows smoke into their faces and he apologizes like a madman. He's like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to offend your God. <laughs> um, this is so perfect. Being that the book is so old, a lot of the stuff seems like it doesn't stand out as much as it does today. You know, like we said, he's using a few older terms that do stand out, but people still call money dough and all that kind of stuff. But it is funny. This was back in the day when a 16-year-old kid could pull a pack of smokes out in any building and just start puffing them down, dude. And you were the rude one if you got offended by the smell. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, this is a smoking-only area. Yeah. They'd have the cigarette machines lined up, which is like, honestly, that's one of the biggest culture shocks in uh, Germany and Europe is just... They still have cigarette machines. I'm just like, I don't think I've ever seen one unless it was in a museum. <laughs> like, <laughs> So kids can walk up to them with like a Deutschmark or whatever and just put it in the thing and press a button to get a pack of whoa, smokes? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, no. The, uh, all right. They got, uh, you got to use your ID. Yep. Ah, uh, like, I, I guess the credit cards here... Uh, somehow are linked to your age or something or your ID. Um, and that's how you, that's how you verify it. See, it was easier back in the day. I remember, I remember my, uh, some of my grandparents talking about how they just walked into the bar with a dime and tossed it in the old cigarette machine when they were 12 (laughs) and stepped out to puff down a couple marbs, you know? Yeah. Back when things were simple. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, you know, that was their version of a jukebox. (laughs) And it all plays the same sweet tune, baby. (laughs) Cancer, cancer, cancer. Uh, Mm. um, Yeah, so like um, after they leave, he wishes that he gave them more money, which was kind of interesting. But, you know, he has to go on his date. Yeah, uh, kind of the opposite, because, you know, when uh, Raskolnikov would do that, he would always regret giving money. Yep. Um, one of my one of my favorite standouts, uh, Bad Apple callback here, by the way, <laughs> one of my favorite stands out, standouts in Crime and Punishment, um, when uh, Raskolnikov drags his good buddy Marmeladov, who's been stomped by a horse, he drags him home. And he's only got a few uh, rubles in his pocket, and he just leaves them out and splits. And he's like, man, I really wish I could go back for that money, but that is just not a good look. No, no. And he's not wrong. That would be embarrassing. That would be embarrassing. Holden, he decides to take a walk, 
he just kind of reflects on the kindness of the nuns once again, and he eventually goes to a record store, and he buys a record for Phoebe. And he likes this particular record because, well, it's pretty go- like goofy, and the singer is raw. It's a younger African-American girl, and... You know, I guess the equivalent of like the way he described her voice would probably be like, um, like an Otis Redding. Like he he was just trying to say that it wasn't like a cute white girl voice. You know. It, um. So this is. Do you know if he's talking about an actual musician in real life in this part of the story? I want to say yes, but okay. uh, because most of like the cultural. Uh, references we have with movies, music, and just the environment seem all seem to be real, according according to what I've googled. But I, I just yep. can't remember the specific singer for this. But yeah, a nice little gesture here. He buys uh, his sister a gift, which you know he's gonna have to eventually see her now. <laughs> um, and as he's walking towards Broadway. He notices a like a pretty poor family, but they seem to be like very happy. And one of the boys, he's singing a song, and this is according to Holden. We'll find out this isn't actually the accurate way it's sang, but uh, the boy is singing, "If a body catch a body coming through the rye." Um, I'm not sure how that song goes, but. We'll find out later that it's not what it... it, He just kind of butchers the uh, one word in it, and it completely changes the meaning. meaning. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Um, It's really funny because I don't remember what that meaning is because I finished reading this a month ago. So I'm as excited as everyone else is to get to that part. (laughs) Yep, yep, we'll find out here in actually the next episode. Um, (laughs) um, so as he, yeah, this kid, he's singing the song and he's walking in the street as like cars are almost hitting him, but he doesn't have a care in the world. And, uh, the boy singing, it makes Holden feel like, uh, well, a lot better. You know, he's had a pretty rough day, but hearing this, he's feeling pretty good. Very interesting that... This is a standout interaction with random people where Holden doesn't come away from it feeling depressed as hell. This kind of almost seems like a perfect example because, like we said earlier, the guy uh, the guy in the elevator, the bellboy, you know, this old guy is depressing the hell out of me, and Spencer in his old robe he was born in is depressing the hell out of me. I wonder what it is specifically. Maybe... Maybe it's the youthfulness of the child and the ding, jaunt. Ding, ding, uh, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, the the his swinging jaunt that just kind of calls to Holden. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yes. Yep. Wow. He is. And uh, that's saying something. Yep. He. <laughs> <laughs> um, he really enjoys um anything about youth, and um, you, we see that a lot when he interacts with. Uh, children he decides you know we've said it here we will say it again we'll say it a million other times and he 
he, he decides to give old Jane a call. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, but her mother answers, so he hangs up. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, see, that's embarrassing. And if we'll recall, once again, um, Jane's mother did not like Holden spending time with her daughter because he's wild and has no direction in life. And we talked about how... She's not wrong, but that's also a pretty weird criticism for a 16-year-old. Yeah, totally agree. Yep. And, uh, you know, Holden wasn't willing to put up with the mom either. So um, he goes to, like, a theater, and he buys uh, some tickets for the show he's going to see. It's, like, part play and part movie kind of thing, which is kind of weird. And he says that... Quote, Sally, the queen of phonies, would love it because the Lunts are in it. And they were like this Broadway group back in the day. And he just know, he, he just knows that Sally will lose it if she hears that they're in it. The Lunts being another real world example of entertainment from the time? Yes, they, uh, they were cool. a real family. And so Holden, he heads to a park where Phoebe likes to roller skate at, but he doesn't see her. Like, he's going there to, like, see if Phoebe's there. And he asks this little girl if she knows Phoebe, and turns out she does, and then uh, she says that, well, she's probably in the museum. Uh, (laughs) The funny thing is, her class was, like, supposed to go to this museum, the Museum of Natural History on... Uh, Saturday um, so this girl's like yeah she's still at the museum and then Holden's like wait a second it's it's Sunday <laughs> so <laughs> um, but he still helps this kid out with her like uh, roller skates or whatever and um, once again just showing his appreciation of like, you the youth I guess um, yeah perhaps. I guess this may be a little armchair psychology here, but um, since he's clinging to youth so much, I bet the simplicity of dealing with a child is obviously just worlds away from the mean guy in the elevator trying to stiff you out of your money. (laughs) Yep, the complete opposite. Or even, once again, even as Holden's trying to make, you know, menial small talk with the cab drivers, they're still like... Are you a complete moron? Yeah. Get out of my cab. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly. Like, yeah, the adults will see time and time again. They don't want to give Holden any type of conversation. Not even the time of day. Nope. You know, he, he starts to think about the Museum of Natural History. And he went there plenty of times as a kid. And he has lots of pleasant memories, you know, seeing the static birds uh, strung from the ceiling and seeing displays of Native Americans in their boats. And uh, he always said the best part was there was a Native American woman who bent over and you could see her boobs. Uh, mm. to, but, <laughs> but it's just a statue, Holden. Um, yeah, it is just a statue, Holden. Or display. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a historical re, uh, recreation. Yeah, yeah, it's not the real thing. <laughs> Boobs aren't and real. Holden's just like Holden's just like whoa. Yeah. <laughs> um, but most of all, 
he loves the museum because, quote, everything always stayed right where it was. The only thing that would be different would be you, end quote. Wow. Yep. What a poignant way to put life, you know? You go into the same old building, maybe even every day, and nothing changes. And no matter how hard you try, you're going to change as you get older, you know? Yep. And, you know, that's Holden's, like, main problem. He wishes everything in his life could be like this museum where it's just on display and he could watch it. And, but that's just not the case. Like, life, it happens and you get older. But Holden, he doesn't like that idea. And yes, of course, I'm sure everyone has at one point thought, you know, why does anything have to change? Everything's perfect right now, but, you know, time waits for no man. Yep, exactly. Like, when when it was 2019, I said, I don't want 2020 to come. Everyone was like, oh, 2020, roaring 20s. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> There's going to be COVID. They're, There's going to well, be... Well, <laughs> see, they're roaring, but not in the same way they did back in the 1920s. <laughs> Uh, the only thing that's roaring is the COVID cases. Um, yeah. Yeah. But exactly. Like, yeah, Holden, he just does not want to grow up. And he thinks about Phoebe growing up, like, every time she goes to this museum. And, like, you know, he isn't a fan of, like, thinking, uh... You know, when she goes to the museum next week, she's going to be a little bit older and a little bit different, you know? Yep. And so, Holden, (laughs) this is, you know, interacting with kids is fine, but this is kind of the part that was just kind of funny. But, uh, (laughs) so he passes a playground after, like, having these thoughts, and he sees a teeter-totter, and on one end is a fat boy, and on the other end is his skinny kid. So he tries to help out the skinny kid by pushing <laughs> down, like, his end. And then they just kind of look at him weird, and they're like, can you leave? Uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and he just doesn't really say anything. He just, uh, yeah, he leaves. So <laughs> Yep. Worth a shot. Yep. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> this whole time... He is making his way to the museum, and once again, we see that he goes on these tangents, but really, he's just been walking to somewhere this whole time. And so he doesn't, he he gets there, and then he doesn't feel like going in, so, uh, you know, he, he just goes to the location where he told uh, he would meet Sally, and he's not too excited about it meeting Sally and and, but it just shows that you know he's desperate for human interaction yes Um, of course because his mental state it's deteriorating well it just keeps getting worse um and Holden he waits in the Biltmore and he sees a bunch of girls just waiting around and in this lobby and he wonders if they have boring boyfriends like ones that only talk about cars and they just talk about sports and they don't read books you know you gotta read books some people some people like sports and not reading books yeah but to holden you know that's the definition of 
phony. You know what everyone likes, though? Football? Book podcasts. Yes. Very true. I have The Great Equalizer. Yep. <laughs> oh, I don't know if we already said it, but thank you for a thousand listens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just got to throw that out there. And while I'm just throwing things out there, buy a shirt. You know? <laughs> Very true. Yeah, some major That's milestones all. here lately. Yes, sirree. Eventually, Sally, she does show up, but, you know, it's... 10 minutes late and Sally. yeah come on Sally um, but she's looking pretty good and you know Holden he says he doesn't like her at all but at that point he says I could marry her you know just complete impulse right here but he's like she's looking hot and I could see myself with this lady these are, of course, just offhanded remarks in his brain, and as we're getting deeper into here, we're kind of maybe being able to pick apart, like, where specific thoughts come from, you know, why does this make him happy, and why does this make him sad, but it is very strange. Up to this point, as we've said, he's literally just going for any human interaction he can, but he's about ready to cancel the date, you know, before the phone call is over, and then literally the second he sees her... He can just picture her in the white gown. Yep. And I'm pretty sure after he says this, too, he says, I'm a madman, I swear, or something like that. Yeah, uh, that sounds pretty accurate. And, I mean, he was right when he said it. And, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure that is what he said. Yep. Yeah, they meet up and they take a taxi to the theater and they start making out. And <laughs> Holden, he says, quote, yeah, we started making out. I was being seductive as hell. Uh, I believe it. <laughs> so. He's like, so Sally, where do you think the ducks go? <laughs> <laughs> it's the only conversation I know how to have in taxi cabs. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> um, so Holden, uh, once the play is over, he, he thinks that the play was on the crappy side. And it was about like this couple's love story and just their story throughout time like since they're kids and up to like old adults i'm amazed that he thought that it was crappy he's been such a bucket of sunshine up to this <laughs> point yeah this this part really threw me off here um, yeah right i thought he was gonna give it a five-star review yeah <laughs> uh, exactly and so he says that there was, uh, you know, there's just too much tea. Uh, you know, there's too much tea and crump uh, biscuits, whatever. And the actors were just too full of themselves. Like, uh, like Ernie, the piano player. With the mirror sitting in front of himself so he can watch himself play the piano. Yeah. Goddamn Ernie. Yeah, come on, Ernie. Yeah, he's just not feeling the show and... Uh, during the intermission, they go outside to have a cigarette, and once he's out there, he sees all these people, and he says, quote, you never saw so many phonies in your life. And, wow. Yep. It seems to be, like, a relatively, like, younger crowd, like, uh, from, like, these, like, prestigious co colleges and stuff. Um, and Sally, she sees a guy she knows, and... Holden, he gets pretty jealous. Like, uh, he says, like, you should have seen how they said hello. 
uh, you, you'd have thought they had taken baths in the same bathtub or something like that when they were little kids. Like, that's what or he says. you'd think that they were friends. Just that, too. <laughs> but it's like, uh, I don't know. The, the other way he described it, too, was like... Uh, which I can relate to is just like you, you know when you like meet a person once and then no. you don't really oh <laughs> all right uh, scratch that um, <laughs> but like so you meet them once and maybe as a party and you like barely remember them and then you see them like maybe four years later and they're like oh my gosh how are you doing <laughs> and it's just like uh, do I know you <laughs> like kind of thing uh, that's how he kind of described this situation where it's like oh you'd be thinking that they'd be talking about each other's each other's kids or something or but yeah i thought that was pretty funny that he's like yeah <laughs> they grew up in the same bathtub <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah they go on to talk about like all the mutual phonies they know that's how holden describes like what they're talking about and once they leave Holden, he's not really liking old Sally. Wow. Yeah. Once again, another real twist out of nowhere. <laughs> yep. He doesn't, he's not liking much at this point. Um, yeah. So they get into the next cab and like Sally, she suggests going ice skating and Holden, he he just thinks that she wants to do this so she can like show off her butt in these like rental ice skating skirts you can rent at the place. And, um, <clears throat> and if I may say, Holden was painting uh, quite a vivid picture at this part in the book. He uh, he sure didn't mind that she wanted to rent that skirt out. No, not at all. Because, like, almost instantly after this, he's like, but you know what? I didn't mind when she was wearing that skirt. Uh, she did have a nice butt. <laughs> <laughs> That'll happen. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, like, he's he's looking at her butt, and uh, then eventually he tries to skate, but, you know, they're not doing too hot, and, <laughs> like, they're just tripping up all over, and this makes Holden even more angry. Um, but you know, he, he's still angry from the date before and, or the, from the movie and the show and they go to sit down for drinks and Holden, once again, he fails to order an alcoholic drink and, uh, you know, Sally can kind of tell that something's wrong just the way she's, he's been like talking at her. Uh, he's been like raising his voice and he starts to burn his matches like in silence like uh, he just takes like five matches out and burns them until they well until they give up their light um, um, very weird kind of yeah I mean I guess this is this isn't quite as intense as you know burning a building or something like that but it is still kind of serial killery if I'm hanging out with someone, and they just pull out a book of matches and start burning them down one by one. Uh, it's like, hey, man, that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, I get it. You, uh, it looks pretty tough, but we are in a public setting here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Sally, she just doesn't really know what to do at this point because Holden is not t 
talking and um but when he he does start talking he's like hey sally are you are you like fed up with school and uh, uh sally's like well yeah i'm not really a fan and then holden's like well i hate school and <sighs> i hate new york i hate the taxis and i hate all the phonies and like just lists all these things that he hates which a surprise to nobody is a lot. It takes up like a whole page. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. um, but he is like yelling this, uh, as he is listing these things off. And Sally's like, yo, like stop yelling. Like, just like calm down. And, um, she, she's like notice noticeably seeing that. Yeah. He's having like, he's close to a breakdown. And, um, he starts to rant about cars and like how phonies love them and how Pensy was full of all these phonies. And he like admits that he never really quite fit in at Pensy. And then he asks Sally if like just out of nowhere, he's like, we should escape New York. Let's go, you know, I can spend this last bit of cash I got and get a cabin somewhere. And of course, Sally thinks this is a crazy, really crazy idea. And Holden, he just keeps on doubling down and, like, denouncing everything. He's like, no, I can't take it anymore. we got to go to this cabin. Like, I, I need to be isolated from society. Um, um, I mean, this, this book came out before it happened, but that's exactly what Ted Kaczynski the Unabomber did. Really? Yeah. He, uh... He was like, man, this whole society thing ain't for me. And he built, oh, maybe I'm not sure if he built it, but he had a log cabin that was literally like two blocks away from a major highway, but he was still like, yeah, baby, I'm just off the grid over here. Oh, and um, that's where he constructed uh, the mail bombs. Wow. Yeah, yep. like, I mean, I guess I, I can kind of see how some of the stuff Holden says, like, matches those kind of people and inspires people but i mean if you're taking this little bit and like going off to kill john lennon i don't know you're taking it a bit See, too far we i mean maybe we'll get into this more in the discussion but i just i think it's kind of ridiculous to say that well i mean you know i'm sure plenty of people completely blamed this book for that happening but it's one of those things where you know, those people, I mean, they're going to hurt someone even if they find Catcher in the Rye, or maybe maybe if you picked up a copy of some completely other book, we could be maligning that one right now for, you know, oh, I mean, blaming it for something that it really didn't do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I totally agree. Like, it's just, I mean, some of the stuff Holden is saying here is legit, I think. Like, yeah, there's lots of phony stuff in society. But he, it's important to note that he is having, like, a mental breakdown right now. And uh, he needs a little bit of help, as I'm sure uh, Chapman needed or the Unabomber. <laughs> like, yep. Oh, uh, yes, absolutely. Like, just unfortunate cases of people that needed help but just couldn't get any. Or, well, didn't try, you know. Obviously, I didn't think that this was the direction the show was going to go in today, but Holden, um, you know, he's clearly got a lot going on, and he probably doesn't think that he needs help, even though, as we keep saying, he's, like, on the verge of his whole psyche just snapping in half, you know? 
Yep, exactly. Um, and so, like, ap- after, like, all of this rant, like, you know, he, he doesn't convince her to go. And, you know, Sally, she's just being a realist. So Holden just, well, he calls her a, quote, a royal pain in the ass. Wow. Um, and she starts to cry. And Holden, he just keeps saying sorry and, you know, asks, like, I can take you back home. Like, I'm sorry. But... She just responds, quote, if you think I'd let you take me home, you're mad. No boy ever said that to me in my entire life. Um, and to this, Holden, I hate, I do not like the way he reacted. He just laughs hysterically at this and like really loud. Well, Sally tells him to leave. And so he leaves her alone and he regrets like asking her to escape. And, you know, once he's walking away, he says, I swear to God, I'm a madman. So interesting how he he'll continue to like kind of call himself out like that. We're going to I mean, he said it a few times in the book up to this point. But yeah, he does something completely crazy. And he's like, yeah, I'm a madman, you know, I'm completely, I'm nuts. Yeah, well, at first I think it was more of like, yeah, like, I'm a madman, I swear, like, kind of jokingly, but now he's like, I'm actually mad. Like, there's something wrong with with just my mental state. Um, right. And so Holden, he grabs a sandwich from a local drugstore, and he thinks about Yummy. giving... Yeah, very. And once again, he thinks about giving old Jane a buzz. And he follows through and he calls her, but no one picks up. So he starts going through his address book to see, well, who who would still be up? And he decides to call uh, Carl Lucci or Luce. I don't know. Right. Uh, L-U-C-E. I'm going to say Lucci. That sounds good. Uh, it would fit with uh, it would fit with this uh, book's themes of giving people interesting names I've never heard of. Yeah. I mean, Carl. Carl. <laughs> <laughs> My spleen. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. See, you were... You were going with Jimmy Neutron, but I just watched that video Llamas and Hats again yesterday. Oh, wow. Carl. 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 Now that is a... Wow. Now that reminds me of youth. Wow. Right? Yep. (laughs) Man. Kind of, kind of burns my ass thinking about how I was a kid one time and now I'm not anymore. Yeah, now I'm just fixing uh, jet planes. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, that's what I do for a living. Yeah. Uh, wait, that's what I do. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, no, my bad. I always get us too mixed up. Yeah. Uh, yep. So, yeah, he calls up this guy. His name's Carl. And Carl's this dude that's uh, three years older. And according to Holden, he says, yeah, he's got this really high IQ, very intelligent. Uh, but... Holden, he called him a fat-ass phony one time, and, you know, he just kind of soured the relationship. (laughs) I can see that souring a relationship. Yep. Um, So, 
you know, he makes this call and Carl, he does decide, yeah, I'll go get drinks. But Holden, he decides to go to the music hall and catch a show just to kill some time. You know, he's always killing time. Yep. And he says that a Christmas play is going on and he, he just kind of finds it stupid. He finds it ridiculous that this you know high-end production is going into something about religion and he just doesn't feel like jesus would appreciate that and he says quote old jesus would probably he he probably would have puked in a bucket if he saw that uh so there's something really specifically funny about referring to him as old Jesus. <laughs> old Jesus, like it's an old pal uh, yep. that he, he Let me met just back get old Jesus on the... Let me let me give old Jesus a buzz real <laughs> yeah. quick. Maybe he'll want to go grab a, maybe a glass of wine with me. I'm just... Yeah, he's drinking his own blood. It's kind of weird. Ooh, uh, that is weird. Or, or his own... Just wine, you know? It's just wine. Right. Um, yep, 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 yep. But... Um, it, just chewing the rag um, with old Jesus here. Chewing the rag with old <laughs> Jesus. Um, uh, so just thinking about this show, uh, he he thinks about this one show that him and Allie went to when he was younger. And there was this drummer, and he just had this like really raw talent who just seemed to play for the pure joy of it. And... Both Allie and Holden uh, were very big fans of this. And Allie, he attempted to send him a postcard, even though they had no idea who to address it to. Like, <laughs> it's like sending a letter to Santa Claus when you're a kid, you know? Ah, uh, the, the exact example that came to my mind. <laughs> Holy moly. This is getting kind of creepy. We're taking a lot of youth trips here. Yeah, but it, it just kind of reminds me of, like, I get um, some letters from Santa as a kid, and the return address was from Canada, and I was like, that's not right. Canada, Santa doesn't North live Pole. in Winnipeg. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you know? Uh, you know what? You're right. Um, but the movie... It starts the show that Holden's currently at, and after the phony stage show, that's what Holden calls it, and it's about this guy that lost his memory after the war, and Holden, he rants about it, and at the end, he says, quote, all I can say is, don't see it if you don't want to puke all over yourself. End quote. Huh. Uh, so he, a lot of puke. Yeah. Yep. He likes using that word a lot. And so he... I, I did like this part because I've been here, but there, there's a woman next to him the whole time that, that was, like, crying. Uh, and she was just, like, really upset about this, but her kid was, like, talking the whole movie, and she was just, like, cursing him out, so Holden's like, yeah, she's phony. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Like, she's like, oh, look at me, I'm crying at these emotional parts, but <laughs> in the background, she's like, hey, 
get off the damn chair. Come on. Come on. <laughs> like, I'm trying to cry over here. Yeah. I'm trying to put on a show at the show. Come on. Yep, 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 yep. And so he starts to think about the war because it is post-World War II. Um, and he says that, well, I could never join. You know, he he thinks about his brother and he was in the army for four years and landed on D-Day, so very similar to Salinger's experience. And when he would come home on leave, he would just kind of like lie on the couch and not really talk. I've been there a few times. Like, I, I just come home, I'm not necessarily not talk, but all I want to do is just kind of crash on the couch. Um, That's what vacation's for. Exactly. Yep. And... DB, he wasn't a fan of the army, and he says, quote, the army was practical as full of bastards as the Nazis were. Um, so I, I'm not sure if, like, Salinger just didn't have a good experience during his time with, like, fellow people, but... One thing that is true is that, like, during this time when we were in Europe, well, I'm still in Europe, but, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, like, a lot of Europeans, not saying, like, they abolished racism or anything, but, like, they were really surprised that Americans did not, you know, invite their african-american mexican counterparts to to the bars like they would still be separated at the end of the the day sometimes and this was during a time in the military where yeah there was like segregated units like it, it was just a crazy time and huh. so yeah we still had our problems there not not saying this is why he said that it was full of a bunch of bastards but you know, it was a different time in the military where, yeah, there's a lot of issues. Well, uh, of course, just a, just a different time in general. Y yeah, true. Uh, but that doesn't excuse anything. Um, oh, no. No. But, yeah, so Holden, he's, like, thinking about, you know, joining the Army. He's just like, I couldn't even, like, stand in... Like, being in Boy Scouts and, like, being in formation, I had to stare at this guy's neck for, like, a whole hour. And, you know, I've been there. It's not fun, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, he just couldn't join the Army. And this was, like, a weird thing, he said. But he says, quote, I'm sort of glad they've got the atomic bomb invented. If there's another war... I'm going to sit right the hell on top of it, end quote. Um, huh. So it's just kind of like, you know, when he had his fight with Maurice and he imagines himself like being a gangster and living in this fantasy world where he's a tough guy, but, you know, he's not going to join the army, so there's no way he's going to be responsible or uh, probably stable enough to be around nukes. Um so, but yeah, he always has this like version of himself. Like, yeah, if if I had a ride on top of this dangerous bomb, I'd do it. Um, 
but you know he just went on a rant saying that he could never be in the military yeah um i don't know it just reminds me a lot of uh the Kubrick film, Dr. Strangelove, you know, the wahoo, and he's like riding on the bomb and he's just like waving his cowboy hat as he's being dropped. I imagine Holden. Very fun. Yeah, I imagine uh, Holden has the same cowboyish uh, mentality on that. I, I've yet to see that one. It's good. It's really That's good. That's what I've been hearing. It's, you know, very anti war. But oh, I mean, what? no nobody wins in a nuclear war, so man, uh, just read uh, read the Alan Moore comic series Watchmen if you want to learn about how nobody wins in nuclear war. Yep, exactly. Yep, scary times. Um, yeah, and if you want to learn more about the Cold War, play Call of Duty Cold War. Yeah, no, that's actually, as far as I can tell, the most um, factual representation of the story <laughs> uh, that's ever it beats books or documentaries or anything like that. Just go buy the new, buy the new Call of Duty. You know, I played the campaign and that was pretty fun. It was, oh. you know, pretty off the rails, not factual at all, but. Oh. Uh, it was fun. It's just that multiplayer isn't that great, and oh well, zombies is fun. But zombies is fun. You know, I'm I'm not thinking about regretting that decision right now. It's it. I can't get my you know mantra down on myself. Uh, you know, the show must go on. I'm not gonna beat myself up over this purchase right now. <laughs> the show must go on, but if you wanted to, I mean, I got nothing but time if you wanted to talk about your regrets in making that purchase. I am here for it. Yeah, thank you, thank you, After Hours. I just need you to know that. Thank you, thank you. Yep, been wanting to talk about it for a few days now. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, Holden... He starts to describe the bar he is going to meet up with, Carl Lucci. And he describes it as a phony hotspot, and it has this girl singer, and like she sings part English and parts in French, and when she does the French parts, oh, everyone loses their minds. Um, and the, French is a cool language. It is, it is. Escargot. Um, we. We oui, we oui. parlez-vous English? Uh, I'm I'm sure I slaughtered it, but it just means do you speak English? How to use that? A couple oh, that times. makes sense. That explains yep. that explains the English part at the end. <laughs> yeah. Except no, for, wait. I thought. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. Except for they pronounce it like English or something like that. I don't know. It's weird. Mm. Yep. So yeah, Holden. He says that Carl. He would be the guy in high school that he, he's always talking about sex and according to him he had sex and he knows all about it um he knew who was gay or who was lesbian and i i'm guessing this shows how dated the book is but he uses a derogatory term for gays and he calls them flits i've never heard of that never once but no it does not sound like a favorable word no it doesn't but uh 
I I googled it and yeah, the only like usage was in this book it seems and during this era, maybe just very briefly it seems. Um kind of a kind of a weird little time stamp. Yeah. Yep. And like so he I don't, I don't know, like Carl I would imagine he's the dude that would break out the ninth grade health book and he'd be like, hey, you want to see what a girl's uh, or what a guy's genitals looks like? You want to see that in uh, book form? Uh, look right here. And then he'd bring up the photos of, well, you know, a penis or a, va- a vagina. Um you want to go to the Natural History Museum and look at the Indian exhibit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got this one girl. Uh, oh, man. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's just the kind of guy I imagine Carl is here. Probably kind of annoying. And he, Holden, he says that uh, Carl would always be poking people's butts. Uh, guys' butts. Um, Carl. Yeah, he'd take the thumb and like poke it up your butt when you're walking around, which is kind of weird. Uh, yeah. Don't do that to my butt, Carl. No. Um, you know, he he would hold in, he would say that he would talk to you with the bathroom door open uh, when he was like, you know, doing his business. And Holden, he thought this was kind of, you know, suspicious. Um, Suspicious is one word. Disgusting is another, I would say. Yeah, but suspicious and, like, I, I wonder if Carl is gay. Like, Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yep, yep, sure, yep. sure, sure. Um, and so Holden, he orders a few drinks, and Carl, he enters the bar, and, like, once he sits down, he doesn't say hi or anything to Holden. Uh, he just orders his drink. And uh, he's like, now, Holden, this is going to be brief. I got a date later. Just so right off the bat. uh, Holden's trying to connect with humanity again, but this Carl guy is not your guy. (laughs) I'm busy. Yeah. I'm a grown-up now. I am 19. (laughs) I got cigarettes to smoke. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, So Holden... He tries to, you know, start up a conversation by saying, oh, hey, uh, five o'clock, you think that guy's a gay guy? And then Carl just says, quote, very funny, same old Caulfield. When are you going to grow up? <laughs> like, now, is Holden an unreliable narrator? Is Carl... Uh, does Carl say Holden's the guy that's obsessed with other people being gay? Or is Carl just desensitized to it since he does it so much? Well, I don't know. It seems like old Carl here is actually growing up. <laughs> old Hold- Carl. Holden still uh, has this high school humor that Carl used to love so much. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and probably wasn't even that funny in the first place, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Uh, so yeah, like, Holden, just casual conversation here. He says, so, Mark, how's your sex life? Uh, <laughs> uh, masterful. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he just starts asking about his sex life and, well, how's college and, you know... 
Carl, he's he's getting bored of like he says these quote Caulfield discussions, um, and I, I guess Holden goes on these rants that he would do back in the day, but and then Holden he keeps on pressing Carl because he says he's an intellectual. He thinks he's very smart and he holds him to a high regard. Um, and then. Carl, he says that he's dating a Chinese lady in her late 30s. And, well, this just knocks Holden right over. Uh, And Carl, he says that, you know, he's like, yeah, I've been reading up on Eastern philosophy. And, uh, you know, this is just some really cool stuff that I'm experiencing and Holden, he's like trying to understand this. He has no idea what he's talking about. Um, and Carl, he says, you know, sex, it's a, it's a physical experience, but you can't discount the spiritual, the spiritual experience either. Um, and Holden says like obnoxiously because he's pretty drunk at this point he's like yeah yeah I regard it as that too but it depends on who I'm doing it with uh, <laughs> uh, and like of, of course Carl's just like calm down calm down and Holden's like maybe I'll go to China my sex life is pretty lousy <laughs> so <laughs> And then Carl just says, yeah, naturally, your mind is pretty immature. Um, Not wrong. Yep. Uh, So, yeah, Carl, after all this, he's like, Holden, you're still pretty crazy. You should see my father, who's a therapist. And Holden, he starts to ask what his father would do. And like Carl, he's like, well, you know, first he would sit you down. He would ask you a few questions, and then eventually Carl's like, wait a second, why am I even telling you this? Like, I'm not giving you... (laughs) He gets irrationally angry, and then he's like, I'm not giving you an elementary course in psychoanalysis. Uh, That's what people say when they don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, And he just keeps on going up. He's like, going on, he's like... Call him up if you're interested. I'm not going to, even though I've talked to you about like going to see my father, I'm not going to explain to you what he's going to do. <laughs> uh, um, Busy guy. Yep. And, but Carl, he, you know, he's just got a date with this Chinese girl. So he, you know, he's looking at his watch and he's like, he pays for his drinks and uh, he, he starts to leave and hold in. He asks him to stay, and he says, quote, please, I'm lonesome as hell. And Carl just leaves him. Man. Yeah. He tried to, you know, um, well, he actually asked for someone to extend their hand, but this was more of a blunt time than when he's asking people out for drinks that don't know him or something like that, but, you know, he's trying. Yeah, and he just keeps on getting rejected. Um, yep. And it's just kind of unfortunate. He really doesn't have anybody he can connect with at this point. Nope. Family is just kind of out of the picture. Doesn't really have that many friends. Uh, yeah, he's just 
God himself, really, unfortunately. Yeah. So, yeah, Holden, he continues to get drunk, and he tries, like, giving one of the singers the eye a bit, because she, she is a pretty attractive lady, but as, she, as soon as she's done singing, she flees. Like, she's so creeped out by Holden, because he's, like, the one sitting closest to her, and the whole time he's just like, hey... You know, <laughs> but she's free- <laughs> she's freaked out. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, screw this. I'm going to go to the phone booth. And he stumbles to the phone booth and he thinks about giving old Jane a buzz again. But, Weird. Yep. <laughs> this happens almost every chapter. Um, <laughs> but he's not in the mood. And. Like, he's trying very hard to conceal his emotions. Like, he is about to cry. Like, just break down. And, like, he's walking back and... Or, like, w- once he's, like, making this walk to the phone booth, he he says that it's, like, basically having a bullet in his gut. Like, he's trying so hard to hide the blood that's piling out of his stomach and all yep. of this. Um but he decides to call Sa- uh, Sally at one in the mo- in the morning, and her grandmother answers pretty angrily, you know, because it's very early in the morning or late yes. at night. Um, but eventually, Holden, with his smooth talking when he's drunk, convinces her. He's like, "Oh, come on now." Oh, come on, now he says something like that. And he's like, come on, put her on the phone. Come on, come on. And uh, eventually Sally does answer the phone. And uh, I I didn't mention it before, but like he says, like Sally wants him to come over to trim a Christmas tree together or something. And he's like, yeah, let's go trim that Christmas tree. And then uh, Sally, she can tell that he's pretty drunk and hangs up on him so holden he goes into the men's restroom he wets his hair and he just sits down by the radiator he's giving up and uh one of the piano players uh this guy he comes in to comb his hair and holden he's just kind of sitting there he's like uh he says this and he says Hey, uh, handsome chap with all those gold, goddamn golden locks. Uh, and he's like, I could be your manager, you know that? And then, uh, <laughs> so this guy's just like, dude, go home. Uh, <laughs> and Holden, he, uh, he starts to cry. And, um, he grabs his coat and his red cap and, uh, as he leaves, I don't know if you've ever had this, but like, you know, those storage areas where somebody takes your coat and they give you like a number or whatever for your coat. Oh, coat check. Old coat. Yeah, coat check. He tries to make a date with the coat check lady. Um, give it a spin. But it doesn't go well. <laughs> if you, you know, if you, you know, throw a throw a ball from half court enough times, you're bound to sink one in eventually. Yes, as Wayne Gretzky would say, you miss 100% of the shots you don't attempt to take, and they won't go in the the goal. 
word for word. Uh, I think that that was actually a Michael Scott quote by Wayne Gretzky. Yep, we're going to have to like uh, quote that and put it on the Instagram page there. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you miss 100% of the shots you don't take to make a podcast. <laughs> you miss 100% of the shots you don't make. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah after this he's not feeling too well um but this lady i think she was in her like 40s or something but holden's still very depressed about this and so he walks into the cold night and he says he's feeling blue as hell and to make things even worse he drops the record he got for phoebe and it just shatters into pieces. Uh, so sad. It is. Um, like, he's walking out and, you know, the Peanuts sad song is probably going on in the background. Yep. Yep, yep, um, yep. But actually, it is very sad. And he, he does get to Central Park. And he tries to find the lake that has the ducks in it, but he just keeps on walking in circles, and he says that it just keeps getting darker and darker. Uh, if I may interject you before we get to this next bit, um, after dropping the record, even though we said it shattered into pieces, he still scoops all of them up and shoves them into his pockets for whatever reason. Yep, yep, he definitely does. Yep, he, Well, uh, I suppose, you know, it's because, you know, don't throw your garbage on the ground, you heathen. That, and, well, he cares a lot about his sister. It is a gift for his, sister, for his sister. Yep. You know, he's just kind of wandering around. He has no direction, and, like, it just seems like everything around him is just getting dark, and he's feeling very lonely. Um, and so he gets to the lake and he doesn't see the ducks and he sits down on the bench. Um, and he's just kind of like, kind of looking forward to seeing the ducks, you know, um, like, and now he's like, well, shit, now I don't get to see where they go now. Kind of like him. He's like, kind of looking for direction like these ducks are. And... Um, so his hair, remember he wet it in the restroom and well, now it's freezing and his hair is frozen. He just kind of imagine, imagines himself getting pneumonia and dying and he imagines his own funeral and he thinks about Allie's funeral and he missed it because, well, he smashed his hand when he punched out all those windows that night and he had to stay in the hospital. Um, and he thinks about Allie and how he's, you know, in the ground and he's just surrounded by dead guys and tombstones, like all these other, other, all these other people. And he doesn't like that idea. And he thinks about people putting flowers on top of them and he just doesn't really get it. He thinks it's just kind of a weird concept. And Holden, he thinks about his own death, and he says, when I die, just 
throw me in the trash or something, you oh, know. Oh, you took it there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It got so morose, and then we just had to reference It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, well, we need to... Throw me in the trash. Yep. Uh, we had to have a lifter here because it is very depressing. Uh, yes, it is. But, you know what? That's fair. Yep. So... Didn't didn't mean I'm going for gasps at this point. <laughs> oh, Cole, you just you can't help yourself, can you? <laughs> yep. I'm going for gasps. Yep. Uh, <laughs> troll toll, <laughs> boys ho. <laughs> I, I I know what I'm doing with the rest of my weekend after we're yeah. done recording here. Uh, hands down, the best episode, uh, in my opinion. In my opinion. Oh. And a fan favorite either way. Oh, yes. Yep. Um, <laughs> for anybody that doesn't know that episode, they're going to be like, what? Yeah. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, you don't get to know. <laughs> Just look up the Nightman Cometh on YouTube. It's, it's, it's very cometh. fun. Um, but the actual thing that Holden says, he just says, just throw me in a river or something, like as if his death was nothing. And so, yeah, he counts his money and realizes I only have like four bucks left and whatever's coins in his pocket, he just skips them across the water that isn't frozen just to get his mind off of, well, not dying. He's like, (laughs) it it is kind of messed up, but like, he's just kind of like sitting on the bench. He's just like yeah, I'm going to die here, and he's like, uh, but I'm going to skip these coins so I don't die. <laughs> like, uh, Pretty weird. Yeah, and uh, he just kind of goes back to sleep. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm imagining here, <laughs> where he's like, I'm going to die, but not really. Gotcha. Uh, yep. Gotcha. But, yeah, so he he thinks of how Phoebe would feel if he died, and he... Um, well, he thinks she would feel pretty bad. And um, so he decides to pay her a visit, and he starts to walk towards his home in the cold and ever-so-lonely night. And that's where we end part three. Wow. Whew. Another, another. I mean, very interesting part of the book. We're learning more and more about Holden and... Uh, ends on kind of an uplifting note because he's thinking, man, if I die, my sister is going to be pissed at me. Yeah, she's going to be pissed until the day I die. Yep, she's uh, going to be sore as hell. Yeah, exactly. Old Phoebe. Yep. Um, but yeah, we're definitely... It, it's a slow burn, but... Uh, or a slow build-up, really. But we're starting to see that, yeah, Holden, he's... Losing it. He's losing it a lot to the point where, yeah, he's going to sleep on this bench in Central Park and he thinks he's going to die. And I know that in the beginning we said that, yeah, he makes it out of this thing alive, but I didn't really catch that in the first part where he's like, yeah, I'm in a mental hospital. Um, So... I thought he was foreshadowing his own death this whole time, and it just kind of heightened all the emotions for me. In sure. This. 
That's what's so funny, too, is I completely forgot that part in the beginning, too. I just remember him leaving Pensy, but yeah, he's literally in the beginning like, I'm in an insane asylum right now, or... Sorry, that's probably not the appropriate term, but you know, I'm in a I'm in a mental health facility. There's this big guy in the corner we call Chief, and he's always got a broom with him. And there's <laughs> this new guy on the ward who likes to crack your knuckles when he shakes your hand. <laughs> we got a bad apple crossover in the house. We got a bad apple crossover. Yeah, exactly. Like um. The way that he is describing his mental state at this point is just, it's very worrisome. Like, even though we know he's not going to, well, he makes it out alive. This is some, like, very disturbing stuff. Like, I know know we've joked about it, but, like, the book is funny in some of these parts. Uh, But, like, uh, I don't know. Like, the the next part, it, it gets emotional. I might get emotional. Um, oh, I'm getting emotional right now. Um, understandable. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Everyone at some point has kind of... You know, the light is there at the end of the tunnel, but sometimes it's just a little too obscured for you to see it, you know? You just got to keep on trucking. Exactly. I totally agree. And if you are um, going through a hard time... Uh, keep your head up. Keep your head up. Uh, you know, that, that stuff is temporary. Um, it it gets better eventually. It does. Yep. Um, Uh, I'm not a a therapist, but that's just my two cents. Oh, and I can, I can agree with you wholeheartedly. Yep. Um, but on that note, um, we'll, we'll ask you, you know, I'm always telling people to do stuff. I'm not going to do that this week. If you want to go follow us over on the Instagram at the Bad Apple Book Club, that could be kind of fun. We make posts, um, and you know, if you're on the Instagram page and you're like, "Man, I love these guys and everything they're doing. They're just so wonderful and funny." I I want to support them, and you can do that by messaging us through the account and getting in touch with me to buy. A nice, wonderful, Bad Apple Book Club branded t-shirt. Yes, sir. Yeah. And leave us a review. Tell your friends. Tell your family. You know, if Um, uh, unless you think that this is the worst podcast you ever listened to. Hey, that's your opinion. I I might not agree with it, but... For one, uh, bad opinion. (laughs) And for two, still listen to it. You know what I mean? I tell you what. Go through the pain. um, we we did the the giveaway when we got the shirts and who could almost be considered maybe not our first or original listener but a guy that's been with us since day one was one of them that won the shirts and he told me that or won the shirt and he told me that he's going around telling everyone he can about it and uh if you're out there listening thanks yeah we welcome all new listeners uh Oh, and thanks for listening, too. Yes, thank you so much for listening, as always. We said it partway into the show, but as of um, as of the week before this episode came out, the, the Monday before, I guess the day part two went up, we, we were at just over 1,000 listens for the podcast, and 
I don't want to brag, but I think that's pretty good for only having whatever nineteen or twenty episodes up. Yeah, yeah, it's. You uh, know what? It's I do want to brag actually. Yeah, it's a thousand. That's a big number. Yeah, it is. That is. Uh, well, it's a thousand. Next, yep. next stop, one million. Next stop, <laughs> one thousand and one. One thousand and one, and Lucas, this is coming in live. We have uh, just surpassed it. Uh, oh my God! Yep, incredible. Yep. And everyone got to be here for it. It's a miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. Positively. Yep. Um. Alrighty, everyone out there, stay safe. Be safe. Um. Take it easy. Drive slow unless you got somewhere to go, and. Uh, Keep on trucking. Ooh, I don't have anything uh, fancy to say, but just thanks for listening. Goodbye. We'll, we'll see if I may real quick. Um, I just wanted to make sure we got the outros covered for the next five or six shows in case I forget to say anything. <laughs> Alrighty. Bye-bye. <laughs>